Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. This is the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano, live from Providence Park, site of Timbers versus Sounders on 750 The Game. 7 o'clock, Timbers, Sounders, here at Providence Park. Rian Wilkinson is the coach of the Portland Thorns, the pride of Quebec, valedictorian of her high school, former uh, rugby player, former uh, high-level soccer player, got a couple of bronze medals. What do you what do you do with those medals? Do you I would wear them around. I'd wear them all day long. I got them here in my pocket. <laughs> you got do you do you have them like tucked? You don't have to tell us where they are, but do you have them tucked away or do you pull them out once in a while now? Uh, I have a pair of socks that I keep them in. Yeah. And I think they're somewhere in my sister's house. Yeah. Somebody I, I've heard that before. Why yeah. keep it in a sock? I've had other Olympians tell me they're in a sock. It's easier to carry around and they don't hit. They don't get dinged up. Yeah, keep them nice. Yeah. What's that feeling like cuz it was London in 2012, Rio in 2016. You won bronze in both. What is that feeling like to be on the podium as an athlete and have that moment? Well, the bronze in London was unbelievable. I mean, France played us off the park in the bronze medal game, and we we had a, whatever religion you are, we had a gift from God. <laughs> Dinah Matheson scored against the run of the play, and in the 91st minute, I think they came right down the field, almost scored again. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that one was I never even dreamed about winning a medal at the Olympics. Just yeah. becoming an Olympian was the dream, and then winning a medal just blew my mind. Yeah. It still, still blows my mind. That's surreal. I, yeah. I mean, and and look, I've covered five Olympics as a as a journalist, and it's the coolest thing ever to be there because you're witnessing like this culmination of somebody's dream and that moment, and you're there, and you can feel the emotion, and every every possession, every minute yeah. feels big. It does. In 2016, I thought we underperformed. We won bronze there, and it was amazing. But it was really when our youth in Canada really stepped up to the plate. These incredible household names now: Kadisha Buchanan, Jesse Fleming. Um, and we underperformed. And in that way, that medal was obviously an amazing moment. But the bronze medal in London was just such a. We weren't expecting it. Yeah. And there's that's for me when you watch Olympians win a medal who have no right winning it. And it's just like, you know, there's phenomenal players and that you kind of yeah. expect them in whatever sport to win their medal. But when you see someone who's just not expecting to win it, you, that is a cool thing to watch and a very cool thing to experience. You've made the transition from player to coach. Uh, I was talking about this off air, but how different are players now versus maybe when you were a young player coming up in Canada? Can you treat the kids, uh, kids, can you treat the women of today like you were treated as a kid? I got yelled at by my coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can hear from my voice. This is not my natural <laughs> voice that um, I cannot be a yeller. Yeah. Um, I mean, I try and yell, but I last about eight minutes in a game. <laughs> um, the game's changed. I mean, these women are household names. They're they're famous, and they have expectations um, on them that I never experienced. No one, no one really cared when I played. I mean, my family were huge fans, but not many other people, and... No one could pronounce my name anyway, so it didn't matter. But uh, these, these women, you know, they have to be playing in order to get the sponsorship, and the sponsorship has to be there for their name to grow, for them to then get it, the salary that they're earning or deserving. And there's just other elements to take into consideration. But uh, the coaching part in terms of 
trying to help them develop, trying to give them opportunity, trying to make sure that they're being looked after holistically, not just the soccer piece. They have to feel like they belong and they have to feel like I care genuinely, authentically. Um, and in that way, I did have some fantastic coaches growing up that didn't yeah. just yell at me. Some of them just yelled at me, but there were a few that yeah. actually cared, and uh, they made a big impact on me, and that's why I'm coaching. I think I have three daughters, and I love that the Thorns players get to play for a woman. I love that. Oh. Did you get to play for women growing up, or did you play for men? Mostly men. I did have a few female coaches, and I would say every coach I ever had taught me something, and that is the most politically correct answer I can give you. Yeah. Some weren't great experiences, but even those ones – you know, it's really easy to blame a coach when things don't go well. Um, and that is a lesson I learned. It's such mm. a scapegoat thing to do. You take responsibility. Um, there's 11 people on the field, and it's really up to them. We, at a certain point, you can only coach them so far. Um, and the female coaches I had, I would say, were, were fighting a very different battle than I'm fighting. Like, to get any space mm. in the coaching world, you had to have your elbows out. You had to be quite a challenging character in order to even get the opportunity at the job. And I think now with... The likes of Laura Harvey, Emma Hayes, who was just here, these women who've really paved the way more recently and are welcoming women women in. I mean, both of them have reached out to me, uh, given me advice, support. I love that piece that women are trying to help one another now reach that platform when I think back when I had female coaches, they were pretty possessive of the positions they had. Rian Wilkinson is our guest, Thorne's coach. You played the trumpet and the cello as a kid. Right. Okay. I got to know, like, you're dedicated to soccer. You're playing all this high-level soccer as a kid. How do you have time to learn to play the cello and the trumpet? Well, I think the trumpet part of my Wikipedia was added by my older brother <laughs> because he likes it when people have a trumpet and they ask me to play it. Oh. <laughs> I played one year in band and was asked quietly to just move my fingers. Um the cello, I started playing the violin when I was four. Okay. My mother had a sort of Von Trapp idea about the three of her kids. We had the violin, the, the cello, and the piano. Yeah. Um, so at five, I sat on the violin and broke it. Right. Um, that's how bad I was. But she really, she really tried. So actually, after the violin, I played the cello. And I played the cello for something like 15 years. Oh, nice. And I'm still awful. <laughs> it, it means... Unbelievable. You're not passable. Like if we had a cello here, you couldn't, you know. Uh, I'd make a noise that you guys who don't maybe yeah. don't play are like, oh, it's not bad. It's so bad. Like the amount of money that was invested into not just me but my siblings, it's just, it's just shocking. I feel bad for my parents. They could have done more with that money. <laughs> this uh, this sport is has grown. Uh, it's probably not enough. We're seeing stories in the WNBA about teams that are struggling with travel. I know that's an issue in your league. Uh, where do you stand on that as far as you, you mentioned earlier, putting the players in position to succeed and perform it, it dovetails with that? Yeah, it's part of my job to push, to push, to be annoying, to to say that, you know, traveling to North Carolina and having two delays and, you know, arriving at 3 a.m. when we have to turn that around for training and then a game, it's not ideal. Um, it's where the league's at. And again, all the coaches, not just myself we're gonna keep pushing for for better conditions for the players so they can perform at their best um and right now i think things are changing very quickly and i, I love that trajectory but we also can't be comfortable with it that's not where we're at there's yeah. there's a, a piece where we can be really proud of where the game has come and you see the players association making grounds and you know a lot a lot happening in the league in a short amount of time but it is absolutely not where we want it to be yet and uh, the fight continues you look at the attendance for the thorns games and i i uh, i don't think you have a hard time making an argument that it it might be the best success story with women's sports on the planet like it might be 
why did that happen here? What do you think came together here? Why do fans here get it in other cities maybe not so much? Ooh, um, Soccer City, these, yeah. these fans know what they're watching. I think they appreciate what they're seeing. We don't any, have any of that lame sort of comparison business. Mm -hmm. It's uniquely its own game, and it has its own excitement. If you're just looking for pure athleticism, like sprinting as fast as you can up and down the field, you know, that's the strength of the game. There's some, some parts of the men's game that we can't emulate, but if you enjoy the tactical piece, if you like seeing sort of the formation part, it's more visible in the women's game. I think it's uniquely its, its own thing. And the Portland organization here has done a great job marketing them separately, but also holding them to the same standard and expectation that, you know, we want to sell out every game for the women, just like we do for the men. Um, and my job is to keep putting out a product and to keep uh, getting the the women's name out there so that that fans, these fans here want to come to the game and want to in, encourage and, and give their daughters and nieces and mothers and sisters the the same example that I had, fortunately. Do you, think, do you think the crossover between the Timbers and the Thorns fans, like there's a big, like we were doing a Venn diagram, is it is it an eclipse or is it, you know, is there like a 20% crossover? What do you think? When you look up there, are you seeing Timbers fans that are also buying into the Thorns or is it a different audience? I think there is a different audience for, for a big chunk of it, but there is a lot of crossover, and, and that is, again, testament to the fans here. They know the game. They're not getting caught up in trying to compare the two. They're actually enjoying the two separate games in their own unique way. So I do think there's a huge crossover, but it is also a, a different environment, the, the women's game, and I think that's what we like about it as well. There's maybe um, there's the same cheering. I think the fan section is something that, uh, unless you've been to it, a Portland game, whether it's yeah. Timbers or Thorns, you don't really know what we're talking about, but experiencing that is so special, and that's across the board for both teams. Um, but there is a maybe more children at the women's game. I'm, yeah. Again, I'd... Um, it's a family thing. It's a, yeah. it's a family yeah. thing, and I'm not saying it's going to be perfect in the fans, and you won't hear swearing, or you won't hear sort of... I don't know. It's not like they're out here and swearing at home. <laughs> like, you know, my kids, my, my, my uh, eight-year-old will go, Dad, no. you know. <laughs> I don't want to speak to your parenting here, but <laughs> I just think you do see a little bit. It's more family for sure. Yeah. And um, I do, I really do have to speak to my players who spend so much time connecting with the fans and the young ones, older ones, doesn't matter. I love that piece. And the Timbers do it as well, but I, I absolutely think the Thorns nail that. You come in the wake of the Paul Riley stuff, and you know I know a lot of people are disappointed with how the franchise handled things. What has that been like for you, to just your experience? Well, I played for Paul. I was here. Um, I think the whole league um, is being held to a very I, – it's not a very high standard. The whole league is being held now accountable, and I mm. wanted to be a part of this league because I do want to be a part of the change. I've worked in many countries, and I've worked for – a lot of organizations and that kind of behavior is rampant. It's not just in soccer. It's not just in women's soccer. It's across all sports and across both genders. And it's not acceptable. And we're waking up to that now. And um, a reason I wanted to work for this club is how I felt that they're they're dealing with it, that they're facing up to it, taking accountability. They're making changes within the club. And I wanted to be on the front line of that. I think it's important. I love this game and I love these players and if I can help support growing the game the right way and I I want to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, I've been a media member here for 20 years and when that story broke, I felt a responsibility that I had dropped the ball, that I had missed something. Yep. And I think it's not, you know, like this organization I think is got some answers and some questions they have to still answer. Yep. But I think um I felt that personally, mm -hmm. and I know you being a player here, yep. uh, you know, 
I, I love the way you said that, that it goes on other places and it happens other in other uh, settings as well. Absolutely. And I, lo- I like what you just said. It's There is a personal piece. I think a lot of people have taken this on board. A lot of people have stories and memories, things they think back to and like, was I seeing something there yeah. or did I miss it? I absolutely did. And you missed it as a player. Like you I missed it, it as a player, but yeah. even growing up, like how many yeah. how many times did we know that there was a coach that like why would you be stupid enough to be around him on your own or why would you text him or yeah. like so much victim shaming, but at the time it wasn't victim shaming, it was just like don't be an idiot. But it was never right. And uh I think you know, the, the club has still a lot to answer, but we also know there's legal things ongoing, and right. I hope those things get released as soon as possible so that um, it can come to light. A lot of, of what the club is doing that I know about, that the players know about, that yeah. th- there's a reason the players are happy to play for this club and continue to play. There's a reason I'm comfortable being hired by this club. You know, people assume that I don't have incredibly high standards. <laughs> I wouldn't come work for an organization I didn't believe in and, and that I didn't think is is making steps to to make sure that something like that never happens again. Rian Wilkinson is our guest. Uh, A lot of parents listening to the show today who have kids who play youth sports, not just soccer, but all youth sports. There is a, uh, and I'm guilty of this as a parent, we got sucked into the club volleyball scene and it's Mm. 24-7, private lessons, all that stuff. What's the right balance? Help us out here. Firstly, I'm not a parent. And I I just say that because I think the pressure on parents is awful because as soon as you don't specialize them in a sport, you feel like you're not supporting your kids and they're missing something and they're going to come in behind everyone else and you get caught up in the sort of rat race that is youth sport, which is terrifying. There's a reason why almost every professional athlete, whether it's male or female, that you interview talks about being a multiple sport athlete. It's First of all, I think it, they get to choose which sport, and so then you get them doubling down. They want to do the work, and every, it's not a secret. How do you succeed? You've got to be doing more than everyone else, and if you don't like what you do, you're not going to do it. Um, but also, I think it gives you different strengths. So I was a big ice hockey player. As, a, as an athlete, I never had an ankle problem. I know I was really lucky, but I think it's because I was a skater, and with the proprioception and how you yeah. had to balance on skates, I think it really strengthened my ankles and my knees. I never had a knee injury. Basketball, you know, that kind of uh, side-to-side, the peripheral vision, I think it adds to the game. You know, I don't know anything about volleyball, but I'm sure the leaping helps for hitters. <laughs> like, I think it's so easy to get caught up with this sort of race from an early age where you don't want to skip anything, and you don't want to set your kids up to fail because you haven't given them the private lessons um so i i can't imagine what that pressure is like as i said i'm not a parent but i see it in my siblings and all i all i ask is have your kids look up their favorite athletes and research what they did growing up i'm so glad i played hockey i'm so glad well i'm not glad i played rugby i was forced to play rugby but um (laughs) You know, I I'd played so many sports and I loved it. And all that extra work that made me a good soccer player, half of it was in the park playing with my siblings and friends. I didn't know it was extra work. I just loved it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I hope we can all calm down. But it's it's a money-making venture yeah. like everyone else. And the pressure's on for parents. I, I feel for them. It's become that. Uh, you know what? I brought a trumpet today. Oh, I wanna have, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate it. want to lose all your <laughs> listeners. It's an easy way. Could you, If we gave you a trumpet and we said, hey, just belt out the national anthem. Can we do O Canada? Can we do something? Could you pull it off in a in a pinch? No. <laughs> if I could, I'd under pressure, and for money on the line, I could make a noise. <laughs> That's it. how bad okay. I was. <laughs> We're about the same level of trumpet player yeah. then. Rianne Wilkinson, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, good luck to you the rest of the way. Love to get you back on too. 
Uh, Are you up for it? Did it go well enough today that you would say, yeah, I'd do that again? I'm on air, so I would only say, of course, it was amazing. Yeah, later, we'll find out. If she doesn't show up again, you know the answer. Rian Wilkinson, thank you. Appreciate Hi. you. Leave it here. you got the bald-faced truth. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the bald-faced truth radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the bald-faced truth radio show. Thanks for listening.